He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. That's a feeling that you're going to remember forever. Um, I, I don't think I've ever celebrated a second assist more in, in my career, to be honest. So it was, it was just really special. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Steven Stamkos, Markham's own, but just like the biggest Tampa Bay guy ever. Hey? Like, he was all in on the Bucks uh, when they won, what? all in on the Rays when they won. But he's just a, a Tampa dude. Like, you forget winner. he's from Markham, Ontario, because he's so synonymous with the city of Tampa Bay and... And, and everything that's happened there, like he's he's St. Louis, obviously, but man, he feel he was the first player to hit a thousand points with that franchise. I believe. Yep. Yeah, last night did that, uh, and it was funny because you know we just heard him talking about it. I would never celebrate a secondary assist so much. They like came out onto the ice. They and the team all went them. out. Yeah, I've, I don't know if I've like seen that like did that happen with Bergeron I don't think so like unless it's an overtime winner and the game's over or something I don't typically see the whole well especially when it's a second assist ice. like if it's a thousandth point and and it's a goal I feel like I've seen it before maybe imagine imagine there's a stack correction like they realize oh that it gosh. went off of somebody else first and he was actually the third last person to touch the puck before it went in. Yeah, that would be. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that would like, be that would, like that would suck, obviously, but that would be uh, that'd be funny. Yeah, Steven Stamkos, though, you know, you, you do got to give so much credit to this guy because a couple of years ago, you just weren't sure how much. I don't say how much longer he was going to be an effective player, but like the injuries really were piling up year after year after year. And then last season, he, he went out and had the best season of his career. That's so interesting to him about me. <laughs> the opposite to me about him. You think he's very interested in what's going on with Julia Tashery? I highly doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the least interesting people around. But uh, regardless of my, of my lack of English in that sentence, that's what's interesting about him. Because to me, unfortunately, even though that 60-goal season exists, prior to the... Um, and, and maybe even during the, the first Stanley Cup run, A.B., when he was injured, but he got in for that one iconic, oh, iconic shift. What a shift! That though. was, like, what the most shift. magical moment that's ever happened that I yeah. feel like it's gla- glossed over a lot because it was in the fever dream that was the NHL bubble. The bubble, yeah. Yeah, total fever dream. Um, but at that point, injury might have overshadowed the rest of his legacy. At that point. Um, the 60-goal season was huge, but I, I, in my head at that point, Steven Stamkos, because of uh, teams get less coverage when they're out in Florida uh, on a mainstream media scale when they're not winning back-to-back Stanley Cups. That just kind of is what it is. So yeah. Steven Stamkos wasn't in the public eye a whole bunch. He was injured a lot in that 
160-goal season was kind of being overshadowed by the fact that he was always injured. And in the past couple of years, he's just been like a fine wine. Career high in assists and points last season. He really led the charge to the second Stanley Cup, I would argue. He was so good in the playoffs last year. Nine-game point streak right now. Like He's getting better with age. Yeah, and it's not something you expect to see out of, like, how old is he now? 32. 32, 32 years old. So, so. he would have been, like, 29, 30 for the two cups? Uh, yeah, 30, 31. Yeah, in yeah, that neck like of the woods. In that, in that range there. It's 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 really remarkable what Steven Stamkos um, has been able to do these last, like, two, three years. Yeah. It really is. And someone who has an up-close view of Steven Stamkos on a nightly basis is Brian Engblom, our next guest, former NHLer and Lightning Color Analyst. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it is going great. It is. I'm at the driving range, actually. The lightning had a day off, so it's 78 degrees. There's hardly a cloud in the sky. It's about 10 mile an hour wind. It sucks. I'm All sorry. right, let's get this guy off the air. I don't need to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can't be having this. The the weather here. I mean, it's it's not terrible right now. You would think December. At least there's no snow on the ground. We did have snow this past weekend, but it's certainly no Florida sun. I can guarantee you that. There's just no <laughs> no golf or driving range that are open right now. Um, Brian, we were talking about Steven Stamkos, and he just had his thousandth point in the NHL last night. I mean, the teammates, all of them, just came out and mobbed him. I, I don't know if I've actually seen that before, where you know, like in the middle of a game, the entire bench clears to to go and celebrate with the guy. I mean, what what does that say to you for what he means to hit to that team and that organization? Well, uh, first of all, about a week ago, Patrice Bergeron did it in Tampa. And yeah, they yeah. did the same thing. You you have to ask permission from the league. Otherwise, oh, really? it's a penalty. Yeah, it's a penalty. Wow, yeah. interesting. That's, it's been it, it's been like that for for years now. I forget when the rule was put in. Yeah, and I know like our generation back let's let's say around the '80s somewhere. Uh, the I think we were the guilty parties because somebody started it. I don't know who. Where every goal. Guys were expected to empty the bench and go congratulate a guy. And how it developed, I don't know. I hated it. I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> I wasn't the only one on our own team. Like, you know, there's a way to celebrate. And, and especially, like, it's 4-2 it's to two and you just scored the second goal. Uh, no, it's not the time to empty the benches. That's, that's crazy. So, anyway, short story long, uh, you have to ask permission. They did. Um, and well-deserved. Uh, Steven was touched by it. I know the, the look on his face and everything, and, and that, that, uh, that look when he got to the bench and sort of took a sigh and everything and, and let it sink in for a minute. He's been pursuing it for the last couple of weeks, of course. And when you put a goal like that in front of a star player, and we've seen it with Ovechkin, you know, a lot uh, relatively recently, um, Stammer, and then, of course, he's been well-deserving for him, too. Uh, so it was, it was great for Stammer all the way around, and there's nobody that deserves it more. What a what a tremendous person he is, a great captain. I mean, you make a list of any everything that you want the player. You, you can check off all the boxes for Steven. Yeah, special person, uh, special player. We were talking a little bit about his, his legacy, Brian, and Prior to the couple Stanley Cups, and maybe even the second one more specifically, a lot of his accolades were kind of overshadowed uh, by kind of the plague of injuries that he had experienced for a lot of his career. Would you say that the past couple of seasons, and I feel pretty comfortable calling it a resurgence because he's been so excellent these past couple seasons, have kind of changed the way that Steven Stamkos will be remembered at the end of his career? 
Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, he he talked about having to respond after, um, you know, bad things happen to you, injuries. And when he's had injuries, he hasn't messed around. I mean, he broke his leg in Boston, slamming into the goalpost. Um, he had the blood clot. I mean, how many people does that happen to? You know, he's had some strange injuries that have been months and really takes a lot of dedication and perseverance and willpower and everything to overcome that. And you have to give him an awful lot of credit for that. He could have tailed off in his career, but he didn't. It, it, it definitely made him stronger. I mean, he loves the game, that's for sure, and he absolutely just loves to play. Um, and that has a lot to do with it. But the way he came back, some of the things that he did, I mean, remember the final against Dallas in the bubble where he played? The best. He hadn't played in God One knows shift. how long. He had about two and a half minutes of total ice time, and he comes down and he scores a goal. And I remember just looking at it going, come on, he didn't just do that. But, yeah, he did. He, he's got that, that it thing, you know. He's got yeah. it uh, at, that the star players have. I don't know what it is because I don't have it, but I've seen <laughs> it a lot. Yeah, I don't got it either. I can tell you that. I don't got it either. It's why I'm on a mic and not on the ice. Uh, we're chatting with Brian Engblom, uh, former NHL and Lightning color analyst in Toronto in the Tampa Bay tomorrow. Um, you know, the, the Lightning are still winning games right now, but by by their standards, it seems like some of their top guys just aren't quite having the seasons that you know, we've come to expect. I'm, I'm looking at Victor Hedman. I'm looking at uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who's got a 908 save percentage, a 270 uh, goals against. Just not typically what we see out of guys like this. What, what's the story there? Why have, that, why have these two guys kind of been struggling here to start the season? Uh, a lot of games. Um, I think that this year maybe uh, there was a bit of a, a hangover. Um, I think I could I could say I, I saw it this year. I did not see it last year. I did not see it the year before, and that in itself was remarkable. And the tone was set by you know guys like Hetty and Stamkos and uh, and on down the line who were ready from first day of training camp. It was remarkable. But they do have a lot of miles on them the last couple of years. And on this team, they actually have more guys on the roster, I believe, who have not won the Cup than have won the Cup. So you take a look at that and realize that they've got a lot of new faces. And um, most or yeah, a good part of the change is on defense, and that's still an ongoing process. They had some guys that were injured, uh, like Zach Bogosian, you know, to start the year. Um, and then they brought in guys uh, uh, like Myers and Fleury, um, who they thought they could help sort of, you know, restart their career. Guys have been in the league five years or so, have lots of talent, um, and for whatever reason just haven't been regulars um, on other teams that they played on. Um, and Ian Cole, is uh, he's on the team as well. He's done a real nice job once uh, he got in the lineup after, you know, injury and, and finding his spot. Uh, Nick Perbix, who came right out of college and really kind of, you know, threw everything up on two wheels because I don't think anybody expected him to make the team. And, and he just did. I mean, he was just really good in camp, and he's been really good in every team, excuse me, every game he's played it. He, he's just efficient. He just is good. You know, like, passes the puck, he skates, reads the play, he makes the plays the way he's supposed to, and so they went, hmm. So now you've got, currently, you've got nine defensemen on the team. And, you know, because they've had guys on IR, um, and those are things are starting to change. Something has to happen here 
soon. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the salary cap and uh, when the, uh, each individual guy comes off of IR and all that kind of stuff, but they don't want nine guys around and, and they just, you know, you can't salary cap wise. Who, who is going to go? I, I don't know. But a lot of that has been they've spent, you know, time trying to figure out who's playing with whom. And on defense, that's a lot of ways more critical than the forwards. Um, the third and fourth line took a while to get going as well, but they've been really good the last four or five games. Uh, the top two lines, uh, you know, with Stammer, with Paul and, and Kalorn, and then the, the point Kucherov Hagel combination, they've been driving the boat um, for most of the season, and they've been really good uh, virtually every night and p- piling up the points. So there has been, you know, some stretching and pulling and some decisions that still need to be made and you throw into the mix guys that are hurt like Sorelli still hasn't even played a game yet he's close and he's a real key guy he's a second third line center depending on you know how you want to play him and are you matching up and all that kind of stuff so there's still some ongoing stuff so I think it's it's understandable considering the number of games that they played and the new faces they have and the remix that they're going through but they're they're bumping along yeah, I, I look at, like, I, coming off of the offseason, they lost a couple of big pieces. You noted it on the blue line, you know, McDonough. And, and, and Jan Ruta, I think, was an underrated loss for that team. And he's somebody who had played with Victor Hedman for quite some time. Uh, losing Andre Palat, who's been a staple kind of secondary guy for that roster. You know, of those three players, who do you think has been the most impactful loss that they just haven't been able to uh, to, to replicate and find someone to fill in that hole? Uh, I guess you'd have to put me on the spot. You'd have to say McDonough because of what I just said about the defense. Over the last couple of years on the left side, they've had Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. And uh, you have to go a long ways, and I don't think you can outdo that one, two, three combination on the left side. And sometimes they certainly played with each other. You know, Sergachev would go on the right side with either one of those guys sometimes. But that's a really dynamic left side. And so salary cap-wise, McDonough, unfortunately, ended up having to be the guy that that had to be moved. Um, And it's just too bad, but it's just the way it is. Um, Andre Palat has never been appreciated as much as as he should be. He, the last two years in the playoffs, he scored more goals than anybody on the team. People probably don't even realize that. Pally was unreal about how good he was as a clutch player. And it's not just the goals. It's He's, you know, one of those responsible Marion Hossa kind of players, you know, two-way guy. You pick a guy from the recent past, and that's Andre Plot. He just doesn't talk much. He's understated. So do they miss him? Yeah. But, you know, uh, Brandon Hagel has stepped up and been fabulous on that top line. I mean, he's been really good with Point and Kucherov, and it's been good for him and good for the line. So, um, again, it's just the evolution of every team, uh, the way things are these days with salary cap. Chat with Brian Engblom. Um, you, you bring up, you know, guys who are underappreciated, and I feel like uh, maybe out-of-market hockey fans don't appreciate like Mitch Marner's defensive abilities. Let's say he's turned into quite the two-way star, and, and I don't know if he gets the recognition league-wide for it. I'm curious what you think. Maybe that might be uh, what people around the league. What's something about Nikita Kucherov's game that? you don't think he gets enough recognition or appreciation for? Oh, do we lose him? 
See if we can get it back on there. I was oh. just pondering very hard about that. For a second, I was like, oh, did I hit him with a hard hitter? <laughs> he did not answer it, but let's see if we can get it back on yeah. the line here. Um, I guess the good news in all the... Oh, oh, we got him? Brian, you there? I'm still here, guys. Yeah. Oh, oh. me? Yeah, we lost it there for just a second. Uh, I was just talking... I heard, I heard you about, about Marner and everything. Sorry, I was just answering. I've been sitting in the same place enjoying the sun, but uh, you know how uh, cell phones are <laughs> oh, yeah. sometimes? Yeah, they melt in the sun sometimes. That's why we love up here in Canada. We're fine. <laughs> I keep rubbing it in. I can't help it. What can I say? Um, but yeah, first, first of all, uh, Marner, you know, he should deserve the credit you know for being a two-way player um he kills penalties his instincts you know about how to read the plays and it it makes a lot of sense when when you have a guy who's on a power play and is as skilled as he is he knows what the other team wants to do you know and and that's a big part of penalty killing anticipation and when to jump and what to do and then the fear he can put in power plays and they have one foot going backwards that's a great thing for Marner, marner as far as kucherov goes Coach is like nobody I really have ever seen. I guess Patrick Kane would probably be the closest. You know, they play a similar kind of style, um, whether it's on the attack or certainly on the power play. They look a lot the same. But Cooch, what he does, like he gives lessons to the other players on his team about how to handle pucks that come around the wall and how to field them cleanly and make that pass. Like little things like that, that people don't see. He is a machine at the details of the game. If you watch him in a warm-up, he goes out and he's going through his rhythms. Um, he stands in that face-off circle where he likes to operate on the power play, and he, you know, he, he's he just imagining everything. He's got he he can analyze defense. John Cooper said recently. He said I was looking at a play one day for about fifteen or twenty minutes trying to figure something else. I called Cooch in. Cooch took a look at it and went, this happened, this happened, this should go here. And he said, I went, I looked at this for 20 minutes and I never saw that. So that's what Kucherov can do. So he looks at defenses like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. <laughs> and then uh, he, he's got that improv you know, ability um, that is, is just off the chart. So you put that all together and it's like, you know, really uh, no player you've ever seen. And I think, you know, as his career developed, he, he had to learn about certain times you don't, uh, you know, you don't make plays, you know, he's got that Patrick Mahomes thing about it. Right. But sometimes you just got to get the puck deep. And so he had to learn that like everybody did. And that's how he became a complete player. But it's marvelous to watch him make passes where he, he looks at a player before he gets to the puck, then he turns to the puck as it's coming to him, and he turns and whips it, and brain is already calculated where that's got guy, how much ground he's covered in the two or three seconds it's taken him, and he just whips the puck right on the guy's blade. It is phenomenal to watch. That's the kind of stuff that entertains me about Kucherov. Love it. Yeah, it is a treat to watch, and we'll be treated to it tomorrow night when the Leafs uh, play the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa. Playoff rematch, Brian. We know the Leafs will probably have this one circled as one they want to get up for. Oh, yeah. Uh, how teams. do you think? Yeah, you think the Lightning are, are just as fired up for this one? Oh, yeah. There is no doubt about that. I mean, you got Nick Paul, you got Carl Stamkos, you know, got guys from the area, Ontario yeah. boys especially, and guys who grew up Leaf fans. Uh, all that, and you know, Toronto is Toronto. So, and especially with the way they played this year, 
uh, building on last year and the year before, the talent level that they have, and everything just a little bigger and higher and better when when Toronto comes into town. There's a you know there's a heartbeat in the arena at the morning skate, and it doesn't leave until the game's over, and that's a great thing. It's what I'm looking forward to for tomorrow. Yeah, we'll all be looking forward to that one. Uh, really appreciate taking the time. It was a great chat. Hopefully, we can do it again uh, down the road. Call anytime. Absolutely. I might be on the driving range, but I'll uh, maybe I'll the be beach, honest. maybe the driving range. Who knows? Oh man, I'm so jealous right now. I so know. jealous. Take care, Brian. Enjoy the game tomorrow all right. night. All right, thanks. You too. See ya, Brian Engblom, former NHL and Lightning color analyst. I will be actually taking up some sun in a couple of weeks. Guys from Winnipeg too. Like we should have brought that up. No wonder he's soaking it in. He went from That's Winnipeg true. and he got the slam dunk well, color he, commentary he, job in. Uh, Played, for a long time. Yeah, played with the Habs for a while. Washington, eh, he got that. He California made his way sun. to the sun, and yeah. then he never. And, and now he's in Tampa. Never left. And he's like, nah, I'm just gonna stay down here. I'm not going back home. No yeah. way, Jose. Am I going back to to Winnipeg? All right. Coming up next, Nick Alberga will join the show. We'll get back into what's going on with the Maple Leafs, and uh, you know, kick it around the league a little bit with Nick. Ooh, uh, kick it. Kick it. We'll kick it. Okay. Why did that word? Just I, I don't know. Just the way it came out of your mouth made me laugh. We're going to kick right. it. We're going to kick it around <laughs> with Nick Alberga. Next, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tichere. This is an Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I need you to Okay, welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julie Tesheri and Mike DiStefano with ya. Not DiStefano. I don't know why that came out of my mouth so weird, but we're going to have Nick Alberg on in the next couple of minutes here. He hosts Leafs Morning Take for the Nation Network. Prior, I feel like sports news lately is just crazy. Like last night between, I don't know, everything going on in the world, but uh, this morning, it got even weirder when Drew Brees was allegedly struck, struck by, by lightning. Oh. Not just struck by lightning. Struck by la- lightning on a commercial shoot for, of course, a sports betting <laughs> website. On uh, set. On set. And it was on camera. Seems a little convenient, right? Because the video went immediately viral. Uh, he was trending right away on Twitter. So, too, was, was that gambling site. And right after... Uh, came out that the video was staged and fake. And people are kind of up in arms about this publicity stunt. They're not I, into it. I, so it was, they're, they're coming out with this lightning bet, yeah. right? And that's what it was. They're in a way to try and advertise this lightning bet. So kind of a scumbag. Drew move. Brees gets struck by lightning, and, and they didn't tell anyone that it was fake. <laughs> and then they so this came morning, out afterwards. news outlets were covering... <laughs> Drew Brees' health status. They're like, oh, we're trying to corroborate. And then I, I believe I saw the, the the betting company came out and was like, oh, no, this was all. Gotcha. It's like, gotcha. no, we did not endanger one of, you know, the best quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, that backfired. I think that, that definitely Oh, they're wearing it right now. Sure. Definitely a PR stunt backfire. But we've got a content expert kind of guy on the phone right now. So let's mm. see if this is fair or foul. Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take for the Nation Network. What do you think, Nick? Was this like a, a good attempt at creating a viral moment or, or a little offside? I like that. First of all, contact expert. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like I, you always take this stuff with a grain of salt. Like it reminds me of that Tom Brady video from last year, doesn't it? Oh, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one? 
the Tom the Brady? one where he, yeah, you know, you know, Mike. Go ahead. Gonna say the one where um, with the with the machine, the, the football machine, oh. right, where it throws it. It's like the perfect, like uh, it's like the perfect throw. That's the one I, you know, reminded me of right, right. off the bat. Yeah, I was thinking of like U two when they tried to give everybody free music and then they immediately became <laughs> public enemy worst. number one. That was the absolute <laughs> worst thing ever. Everyone hated you um, two. Anyways, failed. PR attempts are, are hot in the news today, but also hot in the news is the fact that the Leafs have the Lightning tomorrow night in Tampa Bay. It's a playoff rematch, but we haven't had you on yet this year, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster up and down, so it'll be hard to give a general grade, but two months yeah. into the season, how are you feeling about it, Nick? Uh, to me, it's the same old story. Uh, I'm that type of person, like, show it to me in the springtime while I enjoy the ride. And, like, I think I, it's great at the very least to talk about something. Obviously, right now we're talking about Mitch Marner and the chase for the point streak record last year was about Austin Matthews and, you know, the Rocket Richard and getting 60 goals. So at least there's, like, fun narratives along the way. But to me, until I think this team proves something in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm going to have the same general feeling, like, Hell, they did the exact same thing last year where they were just dismal in October and then turned things on in the month of November. Having said that, it was a lot more fun to watch this team in November than it was in October. Some of those games, I'm like, get me out of here, especially that, that California road trip where yeah. I'm up to like 1.30 a.m. I, I, it, it wasn't a good look. So at least I'm feeling good about watching the games right now. Yeah, it was almost personal in California because we were all staying up so late for those games and then only to be personally backhanded by the fact that they were playing so poorly. Uh, that's Nick Alberga on the phone right now, host of Leafs Morning Take for the Nation Network. Marner chasing history tomorrow, you mentioned. Uh, it adds kind of a layer to this early season kind of weirdness that's been happening. It's hard to feel really excited about things as a result of what you just said, the playoffs. Do you think that maybe something like that is helping them play better something to play for that's not just waiting for the playoffs yeah yeah let's go with that narrative i don't know (laughs) galvanizing moment because they really were galvanized by austin matthews and his 60 goals (laughs) and 73 pardon my sarcasm i don't know i'm just generally pessimistic i should preface by saying that i just think i've seen this rodeo way too many times having said that you got to give people their flowers sometimes. Like, I was all over Mitch Marner in the first month of the season. I hated his body language. He was sulking on the bench all the time. And he's really found his game, and he's found his smile. We love that, right? He's feeling good about life. He's providing offense, and he's yelling. Like, the, the big story to me, too, is that they take Marner off the Matthews line, and he ignites the way he has. And John Tavares, as you guys know, deserves a lot of credit. He's been... Yeah. I mean, pound for pound, Toronto's best player through the first two months and everything he's brought to the table in this sort of rebirth. But I think you could take nothing away from Mitch Marner. And, and in general, we've known this with this team. They're an exceptional regular season team, and I think it's important to praise them when they're playing well, and I'm going to do that. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game. It's the first time they're playing Tampa since they lost in seven games. The Lightning haven't been playing well. They've been surrounding goals left and right. So at the very least, I think it is a measuring stick game for the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think that you look at it, it's always going to be when you're playing the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's also going to be very important for this team to, to just keep racking up points, keep the good vibes rolling. But also, like you mentioned, the fact that you're the you're of, of the fan base that particularly looks and says, let's wait until we see what happens in April. But don't you also look at it and say, this team has a much better chance to win in the playoffs if they can get home ice, if they can win this division. And by doing that, they need to have a successful regular season. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's like, you know, probably five teams, five, six, seven teams where they're pretty much etched in stone. They're going to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's more so, you know, what are they going to do in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like, to me, when I look at this Leafs team, how much different is it truly, right? Because uh, the reluctance to trade any one of the big four, I think, will be a big-time question come the springtime. If they can't get over that hump, at least win one round. I think it's got to be more than one. I think to have the expectation to win a round, I think you're looking at the puzzle incorrectly. I think the goal here is to win a Stanley Cup. But I think we knew from the onset of sort of this nucleus that the bottom six was going to look different every year. Granted, I think that's the big story for me the last little while. The injuries are racking up specifically on the back end. I think we're starting to see the emergence of guys like Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin and Matt Hollowell has been an exceptional story. Mark Giordano at the ripe age of 39 has really, really elevated his play. To me, it's a team defense, but again, I'm always skeptical. I, I always tried carefully in these conversations because there's a guy out in Edmonton, Jack Campbell, if you do recall, last November he stood on his head and just look at where he's at now, right? So it's a big body of work. I'm very optimistic about the goaltending. Ilya Samsonov is back. Matt Murray's been really, really solid, but... Like, it's a, it's a big-picture puzzle for me, and I, I really can't sit here and look at this team and say it's any different than previous iterations of it, sadly. Not even any deeper with, with those guys you just mentioned, Sandine, Lilligren, uh, Hollowell, taking another step? Yeah, I guess you can look at it that way and say, hey, they're getting some meaningful minutes, and they're progressing, and certainly, I think, in the event of those two guys, Lilligren and Sandine, like, I think ultimately the 82-game slate is prepping these guys for big-time minutes come the Stanley Cup playoffs. Having said that, like I think the last little while has sparked the debate. I know the analytics community like three weeks ago suggested maybe Toronto's better, better served than the deadline. Granted, nothing crazy happens in terms of injuries going after some more scoring. Um, and and it, it opens up a, you know, a curious and interesting debate. I know they discussed it quite a bit on Overdrive in the past. You guys have as well. You know, the fact that the ungluing for the Leafs in recent years in the Stanley Cup playoffs hasn't really been defensively. It's been offensive yeah. scoring that big-time goal, right? So, like, it opens up a new can of worms when you see the way this team has been so, you know, locked in defensively over the last little while. Like, that's my major takeaway is that you're missing some significant pieces, and they really haven't skipped a beat. I mean, you look at the, you look at the numbers in November, they averaged uh, 2.13 goals against per game, which is damn impressive considering – you look at this team, and I, I don't think in general they ever get the respect they deserve in terms of how much better they, they are defensively than they were, say, like two, three years ago. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because, like, that was an, it's, it's a, a, an old narrative that yeah, the it's team tired. is poor defensively. But if you go and you mm-hmm. look at the numbers the last two, three seasons, like, they've really, I guess Dean Chino, you can, you can give him a lot of credit, too, for probably propping that up. But he's come mm-hmm. in, and this team defensively is certainly playing a lot better. And it's just that overall team defensive game like you're watching these games now and you don't see guys you know hovering around at the blue line you see all five guys in below the hash marks in protecting the house and and not allowing a whole lot of high quality offense i think that's been you know a big difference in what we've seen this year and than we've seen maybe in uh, in years past uh, we're chatting with nick alberga host of uh, least morning take for the the nation network i want to go around the league a little bit with you here nick because i know that you sure. you know you, you Big hockey guy, and you go very vast and wide in your hockey scope here. And I, I got to know your thoughts on the Seattle Kraken. 
Because they're a team that we honestly haven't paid much attention to, haven't gotten a lot of publicity and talk, but they're currently third in the NHL right now in terms of points percentage. It's insane what's going on in Seattle and how quiet of a story it's kind of been. Are you buying or selling what's going on out there? Personally, I'm buying. Number two, I think it's because New Jersey doesn't lose, Boston doesn't lose, Toronto doesn't lose, and that's why nobody's talking about Seattle. Um, I think, to me, it reminds me a lot of Vegas in their first year. Maybe it's happening to Seattle in their second year, where they're they're getting the goaltending. I know Philip Grubauer missed a big period of time. He's back. He's got two wins in as many games since coming back from injury. Even Martin Jones, who's been pretty much a sieve in the league for the last couple of years, has found his way. And uh, Dave Haxtell's got them playing really, really well. Like, they possess the depth. I think Matty Beniers is well on his way to potentially winning the Calder Trophy this season. And I do think Seattle is for real. I think you look at that Pacific Division, Vegas has had an unbelievable start. So-so for Los Angeles, certainly for Edmonton and Calgary. And I think Vancouver still has an outside shot at things. I think they're a middling team, and that's pretty much what they are. But when you look at Seattle, like that's my lasting take from that team, is that they're scoring way more goals than they did in their first year, right? Like, I just think you look at their body of work. You know, I play fantasy, too. Like, there's a lot of guys who are relevant, and they're scoring a lot of goals. Like, as evident the other night when they beat the Los Angeles Kings, like, 9-8. So, I do think that team is for real, and more so because of the offense. And just in general, of being a team in, you know, relative infancy in this league, that I think they've, they're getting the bounces this year, too. Like, you look at last night, they score late, and Beneers wins at seven seconds in OT. So, I do believe in Seattle. I actually think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean that Beneers kid is honestly uh, like he's unreal. He's he's such a good talent, and uh, yeah, they got themselves a good one in that in that draft class for sure. All right, Nick, uh, we got to fly, but really appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully, we can chat again down the road, pal. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. You as well, Nick Alberga, host of the Leafs Morning Take for the Nation network yeah yesterday we were we were forced finally to talk about uh the winnipeg, winnipeg. jets and give them their flowers is it time do we have to start with seattle as well I yeah think it is I, I think it is like the the teams they're, they're playing real quality hockey right now and even the, the numbers would suggest that they're playing pretty quality hockey so yeah, yeah i think that's a club that uh they're legit dave you think they make the playoffs too I think they do. Yeah. I think they do. Like you, you just look at that division right now, and you know what? Why don't we? Why do we? Uh, can we get into this on the other side? Maybe we can get into it on the other side. Potentially, we could talk about that because uh, we got to take a break, and, and we can break down what's going on in that Pacific Division. Yeah. There's a couple of storylines and a couple of teams that are really floundering. So maybe we can get into that on the other side. Uh, I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Share the love this holiday season with McDonald's. Text the keyword holiday in your name to 105050 for your chance to win a $200 McDonald's gift card. Feeling festive? Enjoy a peppermint mocha or hot chocolate paired with a freshly baked festive ginger RMHC cookie or McCafe creme brulee little donut. Available at participating locations. Can Seattle make the playoffs? AB has decided... Well, can they make the playoffs? Yes. Will they make the playoffs? Potentially. They're sitting there right now. Listen, I teed it up. AB has decided. I'm just saying, I'm just walking through it. They're nine points up on a playoff spot uh, outside of uh, Nashville, who's on the outside looking in right now. They are currently performing above expectation, mm-hmm. and they're relying on exceptional goaltending, which I think falls back to norm. So I'm not as sold as maybe I would have that that 
Nick was selling me at the time when I went and dug in. I'm like, I don't know. They're performing a little bit above expectation. Like, they're not a top three team in the NHL. I think we can all agree yeah. with that. So, um, can they make the playoffs? Yeah, sure they can. I don't think that's a particularly good division. So, if they ended up with that third spot in behind Vegas and Calgary, I don't think I'd be shocked. But uh, I think they'll be in the mix and maybe they hit a, a a bump here and it doesn't go so well. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. You, I, I see that you omitted uh, Edmonton from that. Uh, yeah, I mean, do I think Edmonton's guaranteed a playoff spot? No, not at all. And with that, are you kidding me? Come I, on. It's not a hot take, but it kind of is. And I the, think we should leave on that, Mark. I just like drop the mic. It is. I don't think that's a very hot take. I, mean, I just don't see it happening. No, well, I do. Could. That's a thing. Yeah. I just don't believe that it's a guarantee, and I wouldn't be shocked if Edmonton didn't make. But the that playoffs. was your thing at the beginning of the season. That was that they would might fight for a playoff spot. Okay, yeah. we gotta get out of here. All right, you've been listening <laughs> to Leafs Lunch, brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for a chance to win a hundred dollar Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text ten fifty fifty and the word lunch. Standard text message rates apply. World Cup coverage continues here on TSN ten fifty.